Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. It was the fourth day of my freshman year of college. It was a Tuesday. About 9.25 in the morning, I had entered into comms 103, Introduction to Communication. And about 20 minutes later, this young man came running into our classroom. I can't remember his name, but I'll never forget his face. He had these tight, dirty blonde curls. He had glasses on. He was wearing a blue and brown flannel shirt. And as he came running into our classroom, he was out of breath and he said to the professor, a plane has flown into the World Trade Center and my dad works there. I can't get a hold of him. The professor was a little bit shocked and then all of a sudden just told the student, go ahead and leave, go find out what's going on. We stayed in class for another 20 minutes. I was confused. I had never even heard of the World Trade Centers at this point in my life. And the professor kept us around for about 20 or 30 minutes, tried to teach a little bit more, was pretty confused about what was going on, and then eventually just dismissed us to go back to our dorms. I had returned to my dorm room at 10 a.m. I called my dad, didn't have a cell phone or a laptop, had no information, but I called my dad and turned the news on and little did I know that everything about my freshman year of college had just changed. I had thought a lot about my freshman year of college. My brother was a junior that was already there at Ohio University. I had visited a few times. He told me a little bit about school. I had made plans about people I would spend time with and classes I was going to take. I made plans about playing intramural sports and made plans of really being involved in the campus ministry there in Athens. And all of a sudden, every single one of those plans changed. You know, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, The heart of man makes plans, but it's the Lord who directs his steps. Boy, these past few weeks have most definitely been a time where plans have changed. You may have had a spring break trip that was planned. It's not happening now. You may have had a job that you were excited about. Maybe it was new or maybe you were getting good at it and all of a sudden, that job is furloughed. You might have made plans to buy a new house or a new car. Or maybe you're one of our seniors in high school or college and you have been making plans about your spring semester and graduation and your graduation party and possibly entering into the work environment. And all those plans seem like they have just changed. So how are we supposed to handle things? when all the plans that we have made just drastically and immediately change. This morning, I wanna share with you four really simple but core principles that you've gotta believe in your mind and in your heart that will help you handle when your plans change. Then I wanna share with you just two really practical things that you can do in the face of your plans changing so that you can be ready to handle it the way that God wants you to handle it. All right, first, let's start with the principles. Number one, God 
is sovereign. Well, what does that mean, sovereign? The idea that God is sovereign means that God has authority to rule over all things. There's not a square inch on this earth or a square inch in your heart that God doesn't have the right to claim mine over it all. This doesn't mean that he makes all things happen or that he's happy about everything that happens. This just means that everything can be used for his will. Reminds me how Job said it in Job 42 after he came face to face with God. When God confronted him about his position in the world, God reminded him who he was. And in Job 42 verse 2, Job said, You can do all things and no plans of yours can ever be thwarted. Our God is sovereign. That's principle number one I want you to remember, that God has authority over all things. Principle number two you got to keep in your heart and in your mind is God is good. His very nature, his instinct, his character is good. Everything God creates, everything God touches, everything God influences is good. God being sovereign is only a comfort to us because God is good in his sovereignty. This is why we can trust him, not just his power or his knowledge or his might or his ability, but because in all of those things, his nature is good. This doesn't mean that everything with God is going to be easy or everything is going to be safe. Following God is not always the path of least resistance. Following after God may bring us challenges and difficulties, but we can trust that all of those things are good. It reminds me of the end of the story that C.S. Lewis wrote in the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When the young children were beginning to learn about who Aslan was, the great lion who depicts the character Jesus Christ, and in one of those lines there, when the C.S. Lewis is describing who Aslan is, he says it this way. He says about Aslan, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good and he is king. Reminds me of Psalm 34, verse 8, when the psalmist tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Okay, so principle number one, God is sovereign. Principle number two, God is good. Principle number three, you got to keep this in your heart and your mind when your plans go awry. God is for your good. God isn't just independently good. He wants what's best for you. In fact, there's nobody else in the universe who wants more for you and better for you than God himself. He ordered all of creation, orchestrated this existence, brought you into it, has provided his presence, and done all the things that you and I need him to do and beyond what we deserve so that things will go well for us. Yes, even in our most difficult moments, like what the prophet Jeremiah told God's people when they were going through some suffering because of their, even their sin, he says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for you to prosper and plans for you to do well.
our sinful nature causes us to really doubt that God is for us and it erodes our trust in his goodness towards us. We've got to fight against that and look at the evidence of what he has done for us up to this point in our life and see that not only is God powerful, not only is God good, God is for my good. Sometimes the loss of comfort in our life or the loss of perceived blessing in our life makes us think that we have lost the love and care of God. And that's simply not true. God is sovereign. God is good, and God is for our good. Let me give you principle number four, and that is we are not God. We know this intellectually that we are not God, but we forget it practically. There's something about what we know that doesn't always translate to how we live. And that is true with this fact, number four, that we are not God. We wish it weren't true. It bothers us sometimes, but if we just look at ourselves, we can learn it pretty quickly. I am not all-knowing. There are things that I don't understand. I am not all-powerful. There are things that I cannot do. And I am not always good. I don't always do the right thing. So if I am not all-knowing or all-powerful or all-good, why do I live in such a way that thinks that I am God sometimes? Why do I want to be God? And the one answer is really simple. It's control. I want to control the outcome. I don't want to put my trust in anybody else to dictate what the outcome is going to be. And when our plans change without our consent, when things go awry that we didn't expect to have happen, we get frustrated because we've lost control. But the reality is we haven't lost control. What we have lost is the illusion that we ever had control. You see, when plans change on us, it can actually be a blessing from God because it's a subtle and sometimes impactful reminder that he is God and I am not God. You know, there's actually a transcendent peace that can come into your heart, into your mind when you accept the fact that you are not God. And you begin to learn that he is God and he is good and he is for your good. You begin to learn that there might be somebody not only bigger than me, but better than me, that I can entrust my plans to. And if they change, there's a possibility that he has a plan greater and better for me. So these four principles I want you to really think about and get deep into your heart. Number one, God is sovereign. He has authority over all things. God is good. Everything he touches, creates, and impacts is always good. Number three, God is for your good. He wants what's best for you. And number four, you and I are not God. And that's actually great news. Now let me give you two practical things that you can do when plans you have change dramatically. The first one is this. You need to grieve the loss of those plans. Yes, you need to grieve it. Grieving is an important step in the process of becoming whole again. You had plans in your life, probably plans that you dreamed about and thought were going to be good, plans that you had invested hope into. You never planned for your life to not have a particular job or to not have a particular person in your life. 
You never dreamed of missing out on a particular opportunity. And in all those opportunities or people or places that you thought about going, you dreamed about good things and happy things and great memories and awesome opportunities. And when you lose those things because plans change without you deciding for them to change, you've got to grieve the loss. Grieving a loss doesn't mean that we admit defeat in our life. What it means is that we bring our heartache to God. Like the prophet Jeremiah in Lamentations 2, 19 said it this way, that we arise and cry out and pour out our hearts unto God. He wants to know because he's a loving and caring father. You should grieve those trips that you planned that you missed. You should grieve a job that you lost. You should grieve a loved one that has passed away. You should grieve financial changes because you've lost some income. You should grieve moments that you planned on that are not going to happen. You need to tell God about the things that are hurting you. You see, we get into a bad place when we don't go through the grieving process. It becomes unhealthy if we don't grieve our losses. We can develop bitterness and anger that goes unresolved. We can move into depression and begin making poor choices. We might even begin to compromise our values and our priorities because we still haven't dealt with the loss of plans changing. Grieving is the pathway to healing. And that moves us to the second practical thing that you and I should do. So first you gotta grieve the loss of your plans that have changed. The second thing you gotta do is look for the opportunities. When you come to terms with your loss, you then have the room to prayerfully explore what opportunities are next. Grieving allows you to move from hurting to healing so that you can move into the next opportunities that God has for you in your life. Instead of asking all the time, why God with just heartache, you actually then can begin to ask God, what's next? What opportunity do you have waiting for me? What strength are you building in me that I'll be able to use later? What experience are you giving me to bless somebody else down the line? What door are you closing? And what door are you now going to open? What problem are you protecting me from? And what blessing are you bringing me to? You see, when our plans change and we grieve the loss of what we are hoping for, we now are open and available to look for the plan that God has for us and begin to explore what's available. Did you know that it is physically impossible for your brain to be curious and to worry at the same time? So if you are willing to grieve the loss of your plans changing, you can move your mind out of worry and free it to become curious again, prayerfully curious about what God is going to bring into your life next. You know, sometimes God's plans on the surface look like complete failures. He had a plan to establish a kingdom and his son was going to be the king. He sent his son to earth. He gathered some followers who were going to be the first constituents in that kingdom. And that all ended on a Roman cross. In fact, all the followers who were ready to join him, Jesus, in his kingdom, 
gave up. And what it looked like to every human that was watching that the plan of God in that moment had failed. God's king, his anointed one, died, the plan was over. And it was in that moment when humans saw the plan and thought it was a failure that God gave birth to the most powerful thing he has ever done. In just a few short days, Jesus Christ came back to life, walked out of that tomb, and was anointed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What looked like a failure to us was the most successful plan that God has ever come up with. And there's a chance he's doing that with us today. You know, this happened to one of our favorite people in the scriptures, the Apostle Paul. He was known as Saul of Tarsus. He had his life completely planned out. He went to the best schools. He was trained by the best teachers. He was highly educated. He was successful. He was becoming powerful. He was influential. He was going to move into the circles of authority in his world. He had it made. And out of nowhere, a light shone out of heaven, blinded him. Our Lord spoke to him and changed his plans forever. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul would reflect on those plans changing when he was talking about being a Hebrew of Hebrews. He, was, he had it all figured out, and he was, according to the law, blameless. He was the kind of guy you would want to be if you were living in his day and age. And he said this, I count all those things loss for the excellence of knowing Jesus, my Lord. Perhaps God is using this moment, whatever your plan was that is getting changed right now, whatever thing that you were dreaming about happening over the next week, month, two months, or this year, whatever you were thinking about for 2020 that has changed dramatically, it is possible that God is gonna use this moment to bring to our senses the surpassing value of Jesus above any plan that we could ever think of. And we may look back on this moment in a month, in a year, in 10 years and go, God, it was difficult. It was heartbreaking. It was a challenge that I didn't understand at the time. But in that moment, you made Jesus more valuable than anything else in my life. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Will you use this moment now to let God bring Jesus to the highest value of your heart and your mind? We want you to know that if you are not yet a Christian, we are available to help you learn what it means to be a Christian and then how to become a Christian. Contact information is gonna be available on the screen in just a moment. We want to you to contact us, get a hold of us. We wanna help you learn how to have an eternal hope in this temporary, difficult world. And we want you to know who Jesus is and learn to follow him. And maybe you've been a person who has become a Christian in the time past. And perhaps this moment now has really woken you up and said, I gotta take serious what really matters in life. We wanna help you get serious about following Jesus. You don't have to be a member of the Pickerington Church. You don't even have to live in Fairfield County. Wherever you are, if you contact us, we'll get you in touch with the right people to help you learn the surpassing value of Jesus and how to follow him. We love you. 
We are praying for you. And God bless you.